0: 2 Kings chapter 11, where we read of the daughter of Jezebel, the daughter of Ahab, and the grandmother of Joash tonight. And I want you to just close your eyes and think about your grandma or grandmas. Think of how sweet they were. I remember one of my grandmas had a swimming pool and I can still picture her out with her little swim cap on doing laps, you know, and her smoker's voice and cough where she I thought she'd hack out a lung, you know, and always telling me, are you getting in the cupboard again to eat? You just had dinner, you know, and my granny, you know, and my one other grandma, every time I'd get off the bus at her house, she'd make me a hand-whipped milkshake, you know, just a, a sweetie. In fact, got a letter from... One of my grandmas, uh, some time ago. And she wrote The other day I went up to a local Christian bookstore and I saw a Honk If You Love Jesus bumper sticker. I was f- feeling particularly sassy that day because I'd just come from a thrilling choir performance, followed by a thunderous prayer meeting. So I bought the sticker and put it on my bumper. Boy, I'm glad I did. What an uplifting experience that followed. I was stopped at a red light at a busy intersection, just lost in thought about the Lord and how good he is. And I didn't notice that the light had changed. It's a good thing someone else loved Jesus because he, if he hadn't honked, I'd never have noticed. I found that lots of people love Jesus. Why? While I was sitting there, the guy behind me started honking like Crazy. And then he leaned out of his window and screamed, for the love of God, go, go, go. What an exuberant cheerleader that he was for Jesus. Everyone started honking. I just kind of leaned out of my window and started waving and smiling at all these loyal, loving people. I even honked my horn a few times to share in the love. There must have been a man from the Pentecostal background there because he kept saying he was going to slay me. He must have meant in the spirit. I saw another guy waving a funny way with his fist out the window, and and I didn't know what that meant. So I asked my grandson in the back seat. He said it probably was a Hawaiian good luck sign or something. Well, I've never met anyone from Hawaii, so I leaned out the window and gave him the good luck sign back. My grandson burst out laughing why even he was enjoying the religious experience. A couple of the people were so caught up in the joy of the moment that they got out of their cars and started walking towards me. I bet they wanted to pray or ask what church I attended, but uh, this is when I noticed the light had changed, so I waved to all my sisters and brothers, grinning, and drove on through the intersection. I noticed I was the only car that got through the intersection before the light changed again, and I felt a kind of sad uh, uh, that I had to leave them after all the love we'd shared. So I slowed the car down, leaned out the window, and gave them one last Hawaiian good luck sign as I drove away. Praise the Lord for such wonderful folks. Okay, my grandma didn't really send me that. But as we think about our loving grandmas, some of them loved Jesus and had the bumper sticker on the back of their car. As we come to Athaliah, this woman was not like that. Uh, Had no bumper sticker on her chariot Uh, She was, you know, if you could imagine a grandmother mass murderer Okay, Uh, Hitler in a skirt Uh, In fact, about a year ago, I was watching the Today Show when I still lived in Albany And uh, they had the lady on there that had attempted to assassinate Ronald Reagan So, you know, this is about 20, almost 30 years ago And and I didn't remember, I can't remember her name, but you know, now she's in her 80s and uh, she had gotten been let out of prison and, you know, just this sweet little old lady with the little grandma glasses, you know, and just such a cute little lady. And, you know, here's the lady that had to, tried to assassinate our president, you know. And um, so lock your doors at night because she's out there somewhere. But here we have Athaliah, a mean old gal, the daughter of Jezebel and the daughter of Ahab. And so as we're in chapter 11, uh, we'll just see part of, and, and actually a, a couple chapters that we read about uh, when her son, or when her husband uh, Ahaziah took the throne, she had him kill all of his brothers. You remember that. Josephus tells us that she was the one that prompted the death of those six brothers, uh, the murder there. So that's who we're talking about here as we get into verse one, when Athaliah the mother of Ahaziah saw that her son was dead. She arose and destroyed all the royal heirs. But Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered. And they hid him and his nurse in the bedroom from Athaliah so that he was not killed. So, uh, Athaliah takes, uh, goes around. Now that she finds out, uh, her, her son is dead, uh, remember Jehu had killed her son with a spear, had chased him in the chariot, uh, and so now she realizes that her grandsons are gonna be the king, but she's uh, still around and she doesn't wanna be the, the old queen, you know, the old queen of spades, you know. She wants to be a, a real, uh, more than a picture of, of royalty, she wants to be the ruler. So she uh, goes and she starts killing all of her grandsons. And if it weren't for, um, you got you to get used to these names, Jehoshaphat. If it wasn't for her, uh one of her, I guess, stepdaughters um, taking Joash and his nurse and hiding them, uh, the whole line of David would have been killed. And that's what Satan's little game has been, you know, all throughout history. He knows the promises of God. He knows the prophecies of God. He knows that one day all Israel will be saved. So he's tried to kill all Israel through the, you know, through the, the Caesars and the Hitlers. Uh, and uh, he's going to try again through the Antichrist. But um, here we see that he's specifically trying to kill the line of David because the promise was that there would always be a lamp of David in Judah. And so um, here he is trying to wipe out David's line through this wicked um, grandma, Athaliah. And so this Jeho- um, Jehoshabah takes this little boy, he's about a year old, uh, named Joash, and hides him in a bedroom. And uh, you can only imagine how that search search party went, you know, looking for him. Where is he? Did you check the bedroom? No. Oh, well, let's leave. You know, they she hid him under the bed or under the mattress. That's where I would hide. Um, apparently, Josephus tells us that this was the mattress and furniture uh, room of the palace. It was kind of like a storage room that would have been there. So there was one little boy that survived. There was one little boy uh, that wasn't killed. In verse three, we see that he was hidden with her, Jehoshaphat, in the house of the Lord for six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. So you got to love this verse. This little Joash, uh, hidden, where Where was he hidden? In the house of the Lord for six years. You know, that's really an incredible verse. It's kind of an encouragement to, for me with, with my kids. You know, not just because I'm a pastor, but, you know, I want my kids to be raised in the house of the Lord You know, for it to be the place that they consider, you know, like we're going to grandma's house You know, in fact, um, my mom works at Calvary Chapel, uh, Corvallis And so when we go to visit over there, we go up the driveway and Russell goes, are we at Grammy's house? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, kind of, you know, it's, it's a place that Russell loves to go Uh, It's a place that Jesus loved to go when Jesus was a little boy, sneaking away from his folks and going back to be at the house of the Lord. And, you know, David said in Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing that I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, to behold the beauty, the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Now, is that your heart? Is that my heart, you know, uh, that, you know, I just want to dwell in the Lord's house. You know, on my vacation, I don't want a vacation from God. You know, I want to dwell in the Lord's house. And I love the people, in fact, got some friends back here from Corvallis that on their vacation, you know, they go spend time with Jesus. You know, and, and I hope to raise my children that way, that when we vacation, we don't vacation from the Lord, but we vacation, you know, to the Lord. I want them to be raised in the house of the Lord, like Joash was here uh, for those six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. So let's go ahead and pop up the slide for the night. Uh, it's just one just to help you guys kind of remember. Uh, so right now we're talking about Judah, okay? Now you remember up at the top where you got the blue names. Remember Saul was the first king. He had a son, ish who was assassinated, uh, and David took over Ishbosheth's throne. Uh David had a whole bunch of sons, even more than the 3 that are up there, but the one, not the oldest and not the youngest, Solomon was chosen by the Lord to be the king. But because Solomon uh didn't keep the statutes of the Lord, uh the the kingdom was divided. It was divided between the north, which becomes red, which is Israel, the northern 10 tribes and the southern two tribes of Judah and Benjamin, or just referred to as Judah in the green. So Solomon's son Rehoboam uh, becomes the king, and the split actually happened while he was the king. He had a son, we've gone through it over the last many months, Abijam and Asa was a gold star king, a great king. Uh, Asa had a son Jehoshaphat, who was another gold star king, a great king. Uh Jehoram. Uh, sadly, Jehoram married wicked King Ahab's daughter, um, Athaliah. And, and so this is where we're at tonight in the drama, the days of our lives. You know, let's put an hourglass up there. It's, it's a big soap opera. Um, because Jehoram's son, Ahaziah, was killed, and here we have Athaliah taking over his place, okay? And uh, you see there a little heart that I put there just to help you guys remember that she was in love. You know, she was married to Jehoram or Joram. So that's just kind of where we're at. And so we're reading of Athaliah being the wicked queen, kind of reigning in Judah for a little while. But Joash is this little boy that's being hidden away in the temple. So everybody kind of caught up, have some sort of an idea of what's going on. We're going to leave this up so that as the king's names are read, You guys can can kind of have it as a reference to to where we're at in the in the with the names and everything. It could be kind of confusing. So, verse four in the seventh year of Jehoiada, uh, excuse me, in the seventh year Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of hundreds of the bodyguards and the escorts and brought them into the house of the Lord and took an oath from them in the house of the Lord. And he showed them the king's sons. You know, it's kind of funny. As I study all day at home, um, you know, I, I read inside my head. You know, I read these names inside my head. And so often, some of the first times I say them out loud is in front of you guys. So be merciful as I butcher these funky names, uh, saying them out loud for some of the first times. So we have Jehoiada, who is a priest, okay? And he's a bright spot in Judah's history. Let's put a gold star uh, next to his name but he's basically as we read here he takes all of the bodyguards you know the king's bodyguards and the captains uh the three musketeers of of his day you know and he takes them into the temple and he says can you guys keep a secret <laughs> you know and they're all uh okay you know and he kind of opens up the storage room where all the mattresses are kept and there's a boy in there about a seven years old uh hiding in there and he says, this is Joash, the son of Ahaziah. I've been hiding him for seven years here in the temple. Can you keep the secret? They all said yes. So he showed him uh, the king's son. In verse 5, then he commanded them saying, this is what you all should do. All of you bodyguards. One third of you who come on duty on the Sabbath shall be keeping watch over the king's house. One third shall be at the gate of Sewer and one-third at the gate behind the escorts. You shall keep the watch of the house, lest it be broken down. The two contingents of you who go off duty on the Sabbath shall keep the watch of the house um, of the Lord of the King. But you shall surround the King on all sides, every man with his weapons in his hand. And whoever comes within range, let him be put to death. You are to be with the King as he goes out and as he comes in. So the captains of the hundreds did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded. Each of them took his men who were to be on duty on the Sabbath, with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath, and came to Jehoiada the priest. So he's setting up his, his little plan of how he's going to, you know, uh, his coup you know, to to knock out wicked King Athaliah and set up Joash. So he puts bodyguards all around. If anyone comes within striking distance, man, you just kill him right then and there because he's probably, you know, he's probably an assassin. Somehow our our plan has been corrupted. And so he basically says, all of you bodyguards, if, if it's your watch around the temple, or around the house, keep your watch, okay? And if it's not your watch, then be here with me around the king. And if the time change of the watch changes, you know, just do the cycle and take your spot, but nobody goes home tonight. You know, we all have to be here to protect the king. And so, uh, it had to look normal so that, you know, wicked Queen, Ath- Queen Athaliah wouldn't suspect anything. And, uh, and so verses 10 and 11, and the priest gave the captains of hundreds the spears and shields which had belonged to King David that were in the temple of the Lord. Then the escorts stood. Every man with his weapons in his hand, all around the king, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple, by the altar and the house, and he brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, and, and, and let's pause real quick. I went a little bit far. but uh, So the, the captains of these hundreds are given David's uh, old weaponry, and we see that David, you know, the temple wasn't built in David's day, so it's not like David went and hung these things around. But you remember that when David killed Goliath, he took Goliath's sword. You remember he, he hacked off Goliath's head with it, you know, and then he took that sword and gave it to the Lord. And later in 1 Samuel, as he's running from Saul, he goes there to the priest as he's running from Saul and says, I'm on a special mission from the king, but really I'm running from the king Do you have any weapons here in the house of the Lord? And and the priest said uh, Well, the only weapon we have here Is the sword that you killed the giant with And David says It's a good sword, give me it You know, and he takes that sword Now we don't know what happened to that sword If it ended up coming back to the You know, to the tabernacle When he came back from running It probably did, I'm guessing it did uh, But regardless, you know David would win all of these battles. He'd have these mighty men of valor that they'd go conquering with. And he would bring back these swords and these spears uh, and, and shields. And he would offer like the special ones to the Lord. The Lord's the one that gave us the victory. You know, he's, you know, they should be here. Uh, as offerings to the lord not to me uh, to puff me up hanging up in my den You know, I got my deer heads and my you know, my alligator skins and my boars, you know Oh, and there's that sword that I killed, you know, no, it's not my glory david said it's 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 the lord's And so here we see these guards using these shields and spears And uh, no doubt they're thinking wow The very man who held these spears and shields uh we're protecting his line. This is the last guy uh, from David's house here. And if he dies, you know, the promise of the Lord is, is of no effect. And so, you know, no doubt a very sobering moment as uh, as they were given these these wep- the weaponry here. And so as they're all bodyguarded up, uh, he brought out the king's son. Just a beautiful moment, triumphant moment. Put the crown on him. And gave him the testimony, and they made him king and anointed him and clapped their hands and said, "Long live the king." So this special glorious day, you know like like the end of a you know of, of Robin Hood you know or something where the king is made king and and the wicked one is is tossed out. and uh, and the celebration begins. but notice not only did they make him king and give him a crown, but probably one of the most important things about this special day was that they gave him the testimony. They gave him the testimony. And in Deuteronomy chapter 17, we see that each king was not only to be given a Bible, you know, like, uh, you know, like you get on your at your uh, graduation party, you know, like, oh, I got you a Bible, you know, thanks. I'll totally read this, you know, um, some of you were that kid, you know, but. Deuteronomy 17 says they're not to be just given the testimony they're to write out with their hand the testimony and how much more you you know put is, is in, put in your heart when you write it out by hand. So these kings deuteronomy 1718 says that when a king sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book. And I was thinking today, maybe I should do that you know I wonder how long it would take me to just Write out the Bible I would probably need someone reading it to me And just write it out and I wonder if I would shut off my brain And just write, you know Or if I'd actually listen But one way or another These guys did that and, uh, and then it goes on to say And it shall be with him It shall be with him And he shall read it All the days of his life That he may learn to fear the Lord his God And be careful to observe The words of this law and these statutes, that his heart might not be lifted above his brethren, that he might not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children. And so this hasn't happened for quite a while, but finally the, this righteous priest, Jehoiada, says, man, I know what the law says, I know what Deuteronomy tells us, this guy, this young seven-year-old needs to write this out. You know, and, and imagine where were you at grammatically as a seven-year-old? <laughs> you know, I remember just getting yelled at because I couldn't learn italics, you know, and uh, so you wouldn't want me writing your copy of the Bible that you'd keep for the rest of your life as a seven-year-old. But, but just imagine Jehoiada there coaching him and write this and own this, uh, Joash, own this, learn it. Uh, look what's happened to the other guys and how they didn't follow hard after the Lord and uh and so he did that and they all clapped their hands and praised and and said long live the king. In verse 13 now when Athaliah heard the noise of the escorts and the people she came to the people in the temple of the Lord and you know she's hearing the guards and their you know and then she hears you guys remember on the uh wizard of Oz you know and Dorothy's up in the cliffs and she watches those monkey guys come in with their spears and oh oh, oh you know she's probably like Looking down there through her window, and down in the temple, there's a bunch of guys with spears and swords, and there's a whole lot of singing going on. And not that I've seen Wizard of Oz, by the way, um, actually, to scare me, so I don't watch it. But uh, she's looking down there, and what's going on down there? So she comes down. It's like going being invited, you know, going to a party you weren't invited to, you know. And oh, hey, everybody! She walks in in the midst of all of this, you know, the trumpeting and all of that. Um, very awkward situation, no doubt. Verse 14, and when she looked, there was the king standing by a pillar according to custom. And the leaders and the trumpeters were by the king. All the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. So Athaliah tore her clothes and cried out, treason, treason. You know, I'm melting, I'm melting, basically. Um, But treason, treason! I mean, just this really wicked woman, a murderer, Hitler in a skirt, you know, is found out that she. there's been a coup against her. And she just screams out, treason, treason! And Jehoiada, the priest, commanded the captains of the hundreds and the officers in the army and said to them, take her outside under guard and slay with the sword whoever follows her. For the priest had said, do not let her be killed in the house of the Lord. So they seized her and she went by way of the horse's entrance into the king's house and there she was killed. So, uh, you know, it, it all came down to her death, you know, really her um, the judgment from the Lord upon her and the wickedness. And and really this is all part of that promise of uh, of Elijah that the Lord was going to destroy the house of Ahab for his wickedness. And here we see one of the last people from the, the house of Ahab um, being killed. And then Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord, the king, and the people that they should be the Lord's people, and also between the king and the people. And so we just have revival happening here, you know, as as a good King who's by seven years old written the law out by hand and has been spared by the Lord. He's of the Lion of David and they're all making this covenant that, that Judah would be the Lord's people, that, uh, Joash would be the Lord's king, you know, that Jehoiada would be the Lord's priest, that Jerusalem would be the Lord's city, that the temple would be the Lord's house of worship. And all of the people, verse 18, of the land went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. And they thoroughly broke in pieces its altars and images and killed Matin, the priest of Baal, before the altars. And the priests appointed officers over the house of the Lord. And so last week we studied a glorious chapter when Jehu came into the house of Baal and pretended to be you know the new king, an awesome Baal worshiper, and he had everybody come into the temple that was a Baal worshiper and he said, "Ahab worship Baal, I really, really worship Baal and so everybody came in to this temple of Baal and he said, "Look around and make sure there's no lovers of Yahweh here. You know, we this is a, an exclusive worship ceremony. Make sure no Yahweh lovers are here. So they looked around, you know anybody that loves Yahweh here? Nope, nobody. All right. Yeah, we're all good. We're pure Ba'al worshipers. And he said, "Lock the doors and kill everybody." And so that night, you know, all of the Ba'al worshipers in Israel were destroyed and the temple was torn down and the priests were killed. But remember, but all worship had started to creep in down into Judah because of Athaliah, Jezebel's daughter. Okay, so here we have another glorious time like we studied last week where they've all made a covenant now to follow Yahweh and to be Yahweh's people. And so they realize there's still an idol temple in this town. Let's go tear it down. And so they all went and they tore it down and, and executed the priest um, named Matin. Uh, Verse 19, then he took the captains of hundreds, the bodyguards, the escorts, and all the people of the land, and they brought the king down from the house of the Lord and went by way of the gate of the escorts to the king's house. Then he sat on the throne of the kings. Um, So all the people of the land uh, rejoiced, and the city was quiet, for they'd slain Athaliah with the sword in the king's house. Um, And so Jehoash was seven years old when he became king. So, you know, the Psalms say that when the wicked rule, the people groan. And so here Athaliah was ruling and the people just were not loving this mean old lady, you know. And and so finally this young, fresh life has come under the throne. And the city is just kind of, you know, in shock that of all that's happened. And um, we see there's a relief. And so just something to look at here is, is look at the the, um, the the praise that was happening verse back in verse 12 and the clapping and the long live the king that was happening when Athaliah was going to be dethroned. And we can look at this and we can look at Jesus and we can only begin to imagine the clapping of the hands. How many of you are going to clap your hands when Jesus comes back to the earth and the every eye looks on him and the jews are weeping because they realize that they had pierced him but now here he is to save them and he comes conquering and to conquer and we're with him and he sets up his kingdom in jerusalem and makes the you know the world like it was in the days of adam i mean how many of us are going to be just clapping our hands to you know they won't hurt anymore because we'll be in our glorified bodies you know but just clapping our hands that yes Yes, Lord, yes, long live the king. You know, as he comes with his crown and in his glory. You know, and then it goes on to say, not only do the, do, do the people groan when the wicked rule, but the people are so overjoyed when the righteous rule. And how when Jesus comes and reigns, we're going to be overjoyed at that, that day. And, and it's coming soon, like we've been studying on Sunday. Uh, it, it's coming soon. And uh, such an exciting time to see as, as Jesus' Athaliah is dethroned. You know, right now, he's kind of the prince of the, the, the earth. You know, he's the prince in the power of the air. You remember when Jesus was being tempted that the devil told him, you know, look at all these kingdoms here as he took them up on the high mountain. Look at all these kingdoms. If you bow down to me now, I'll give you all of them. They're mine. And Jesus didn't argue with them, but he said, I'm not going to bow down to you. But one day I'm going to get those kingdoms back. And he did when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And in Revelation chapter 5, you have this beautiful scene where the, the father has this scroll in his hand with seven seals writing on the inside and on the back. And uh, some archaeologists have looked at this scroll and tried to figure out what it was. And uh, you know, the more seals that a scroll has, the more important it is. In fact: Caesar Nero's scroll was found, and it had seven seals on it. But it wasn't. It was very rare for a document to have writing on the on the front and on the back. It was a unique document that would have that. The back of a parchment paper was very rough and hard to write on. But one of the documents uh, that would have writing on the inside and on the back was the legal document of a title deed, such as a land deed. And oftentimes, uh, when a when a subject was trying to figure out how he'd repay his, for his land. On the back of the parchment, they would write the terms of payment and all of that. And so one perspective of that or one thought by archaeologists looking at the scroll is that the father is holding the title deed to earth in his hand. He's won it back from Satan. And there in Revelation chapter 5, everyone's looking around for who's worthy to open the scroll. And it says that they look in heaven, they look on earth, they look under the earth. No one is found worthy to open the scroll. And John starts crying until one of the elders puts his hand on John and says, Don't cry. Look, here comes someone that can open this scroll. And one came that looked like a lamb that was slain. It was Jesus, and he's the one that was worthy to open the scroll. You know, he's the one that's worthy to take the title deed to the earth back. To, to, to take his kingdom back. And so we see that he's going to do that one day. You know, and he's going to knock his Athaliah off of the throne. He's going to you know, come and he's going to reign in power and glory. And we've studied that. Zechariah chapter 12 and chapter 14 and Daniel chapter 7, Matthew chapter 24, Luke 21. We've been studying that. You guys know what that looks like. But one day, Isaiah 2 tells us, Zechariah 14 tells us, that people are going to come from all over and they're going to flood into Jerusalem uh, to worship the king who's finally established the Davidic throne like he'd always promised David. And what an exciting day that will be. And, and uh, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ tonight as your savior, and if your sins are washed away by his blood, you're going to get to be there and you're going to get to see it and you're going to get to clap and scream and woo, woo, woo. Yeah, Jesus, you know, that's my Jesus up there in all of his glory, uh, saying, long live the king. And so uh, that's the story of the dethroning of Athaliah. And then chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, we have the spiritual evaluation of Joash. Now, again, it could be kind of confusing, just like his uh, grandpa, Jehoram, sometimes you'd read his name, Joram, you know? Uh, Just like Jehohaz over on the left Sometime that would be pronounced in the Bible uh, As Joaz And here we're at Joash And sometimes in the Bible he'll be called Jehoash. You know, and so if that doesn't make it any more complicated For people that are trying to read the Old Testament I don't know what does But from this point on Joash can also be called Jehoash. Okay, so just Everybody there? No? No? You can hear a pin drop? Okay Okay Joash, Jehoash. Okay. Uh, in the seventh year... Oh, we're in... Sorry, skipped the wrong chapter. In the 23rd year, chapter 13, verse 1, of Joash, the son of Ahaziah, king of Judah, Je- has, the son of Jehu, became king... What am I doing? I'm so sorry. We're in chapter 13. Yeah, so like I was saying, can be really confusing... Well, let's just do 13, then we skip... Oh, no, we'll go, we'll go back to 12. Can we all pretend like that never happened? Don't tell anybody else. Okay. In the seventh year of Jehu, Jeho- uh, Jehoash became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibia Beersheba. Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord All the days in which Jehoiada the priest instructed him. So uh, here we see, you know, uh, he was one years old when he was hidden in the bedroom. He was seven years old when he became king. And he ended up reigning for 40 years. And, you know, I was tempted to put a star by his name because he looks like he has a promising um, rule here that in verse 2, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days. But it doesn't finish of his life it doesn't say that What does it say? He, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord All of the days of Jehoiada The priest instructing him So he was a hardcore Christian While he had Billy Graham walking by his side Holding his hands But we know that that by the end of his life Wasn't the case Once Jehoiada died uh, we see that Joash did not finish well. And man, how that's just a common theme throughout scriptures of, you know, Solomon starting out so strong. And then, you know, later on, he, he, he just disregarded the statutes and the law of the Lord and became a full on idolater. You know, it's so sad to see that. And and that's just been the theme of, you know, even I was tempted not to put a, a star by Asa's name because there was things in Asa's life, and you know, there were things in Jehoshaphat's life, and you know, you've heard it said that even the best men are men at best. You know, but but more than Jehoshaphat, we see that Joash by the end of his life, you know, he was just not walking with the Lord at all. Uh, whereas Jehoshaphat and Asa, you know, they still were were making good strides with God and their relationship with him. And so, you know, it's like what we were talking about on Sunday with the ten virgins there in Matthew chapter 25 and how five of the virgins were foolish because they didn't have any oil in their lamps. And five of the virgins were wise but on the outside, the virgins all looked the same. They all were bridesmaids, dressed in the same bridesmaids' outfits. They all had their hair done real fancy for a wedding. They all had the bouquet in one hand and the torch in the other. From the outer appearance, they looked very, you know, religious. You know, they looked like they were all Christians, if you will. But one day the Lord's gonna come and He's gonna, He's the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. And He's gonna see that half of those virgins never had oil in their lamps, the Holy Spirit. You know, if, if you weren't here on Sunday, maybe that's a little confusing to you, but, you know, the Lord knows your hearts. And He knows if you're just being a good person because, you know, your disciple or your, you know, you know is, is holding your hand. And you know, and that's okay. But there's gonna come the time where, you know, you're going to have to make that decision on your own. You know, you're going to have to be a Christian because it it was your choice in your heart. And so it, it just makes you wonder if Jehoash ever made that own decision in his life because verse three, you know, we have that word, but there, but the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Now you remember when the children came into the land, uh, they were told, don't go up on those high places. When you see the high places, you know, destroy these idols. Don't even, don't look at them. Don't sit and wonder what they were about, because if you sit and wonder what they're about, you're going to want to wonder what kind of power they had. And maybe if I just pray this way to this high place, to this idol, um, the Lord will come through strong on my behalf. He says, no, when you get there, if you see something, just strike it down real quick and crack it and break it and stop it. But if you start worshiping there, man, judgment's going to come. And we see that was constantly a stumbling block for Israel throughout their history was worshiping at these high places. You know, God is spirit and must be worshiped in spirit and in truth. And they weren't worshiping him in truth. And so uh, it's just a picture there of how uh, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know, one little bit of uh, that sour in the sou- in the dough makes the whole thing sourdough. And that's what's happened in Joash's life. He had those that little idol in the hidden place of his heart up on the hill that when he'd go for a horse ride, you know, he'd just stop there for a little while and sing a song and just kind of bow down. To, you know, and he should have destroyed that a long time ago. In verse 4, And Jehoash said to the priests, All the money of the dedicated gifts... "...that are brought into the house of the Lord, each man's census money, each man's assessment money, and all the money that a man purposes in his heart to bring into the house of the Lord, let the priests take it themselves, each from his constituency, and let them repair the damages of the temple wherever any dilapidation is found." And so right now the temple is over hundred and forty years old. Can you believe that we've covered that much ground since Solomon's day? A hundred and forty year years old has passed. So there's been deterioration. You know, they found mold under the sink, you know, and under the boards, you know, uh, they, they found some dry rot. I love that it uses the word there, dilapidation. But, um, and you know, also second chronicles 24 tells us that, that wicked gal Athaliah and her sons went into the temple and caused destruction and wreaked havoc in there and took some things out of it. And, you know, they just weren't taking care of it. Um, and so there were breaches in the wall and there was damage all around. And so Jehoash, still at a good place in his life, starts uh, trying to get together some money um, to repair things. And the priests normally would take money from these different dedicated gifts we just read about. That word constituency is used. That means the acquaintances that would come in and give the money. They were to take all of that and not put it towards themselves. But for a season, they were to put it towards rebuilding the temple there. And, and uh, if you want now, keep your finger there in 2 Kings. And you can turn to 2 Chronicles 24. And just keep your finger in 2 Chronicles 24 verse 5 because we're going to go back to second chronicles in just a little bit but second chronicles 24 5 tells us uh that king joash told them go out to the cities of judah halfway through the verse there and gather from all israel money to repair the house of your god from year to year and see that you do it quickly so do it quickly remember that was a that was one of the things that he was supposed to do there. But then it goes on to say, however, the Levites did not do it quickly. You know, so, uh, you know, at the time, think about it. He's seven years old and it's not really told what time he says that this, you know, when he gave this instruction. Imagine your seven-year-old telling you to vacuum, you know, or telling you, hey, mom, clean up the house, would you? You know, or whatever. That's kind of what's happening here. And, you know, perhaps it was because he was so young that they didn't take him seriously but we read uh, in verse 6 that, you know, 23 years after his reign, the priests had not repaired the damages to the temple. So some good amount of time had gone by that it should have been done, but they were slacking off and it, it hadn't been done. And uh, verse 7, so the king Jehoash called Jehoiada the priest and the other priests and said to them, uh, you know, why have you not repaired the damages of the temple? Now, therefore, do not take more money from your constituency, but deliver it for repairing the damages uh, to the temple. Uh, so they're, they're kind of confronted and rebuked for their slacking and the task that they were given. Um, you know, they were, these priests we see were not good businessmen. Like, like we see in scripture, you know, like Noah was a good businessman. Did you guys know that Noah was a good businessman? how he floated all of his stocks while the world was in liquidation. Okay. Um, <clears throat> sorry. I have to confess, I did listen to just a little John Corson today. Okay, Sorry. Um, John, I love you, buddy. Um, so, you know, they weren't good, wise guys. And for years, they'd been messing things up. And so they end up coming up with the plan, and the king was a part of this plan. You know, verse 8 says, the priests agreed that you know, they would neither receive more money from the people nor repair the damages to the temple. And that's kind of a confusing verse there. It sounds like they said, forget it, king. You know, we're not going to take money and we're not going to repair. But a different translation, like the, the NLT says, so the priests agreed not to accept any more money from the people, and they also agreed to let others take responsibility for repairing the temple. So, uh, they're, they're trying to think of a good fundraising idea uh, to to repair the damages. Verse 9, Then Jehoiada the priest took a chest, bore a hole in its lid, and set it beside the altar on the right side as one comes to the house of the Lord. And the priests who kept the door put there all the money brought into the house of the Lord. So it was whenever they saw that there was much money in the chest that the king's scribe and the high priest came up and put it in bags and counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord. Uh, then they gave the money, which had been a portion into the hands of those, those who did the works, those who had oversight of the house of the Lord, and they paid it out to the carpenters and builders who worked on the house of the Lord, and to masons and stonecutters, and for buying timber and hewn stone to repair the damage of the house of the Lord for all that was paid out of the, re- uh, the repair of the temple. So a lot of good masons coming and working, and stonecutters and contractors. Verse 13, however, there was not made for the house of the Lord basins of silver, trimmers, sprinkling bowls, trumpets, any articles of gold or articles of silver from the money brought into the house of the Lord. But they gave that to the workmen and they repaired the house of the Lord with it. Moreover, they did not require an accounting from the men into whose hands they delivered the money to be paid to workmen, for they dealt faithfully. So that's kind of cool, you know, they didn't, Really have to hold these guys accountable to the money That they were using because they were faithful Men you know and I really liked that When I read that Uh, the money From the trespass offerings the money from the sin Offerings was not brought into the house of the lord Uh, It still it went to the To the priests, so they were still able to Live there so they came up with a great Building plan you know uh, uh, To to Get that building done And you know it says there that uh, For a while there they kind of Neglected taking care of the the uh, articles of the temple that needed to be repaired and or new ones or whatever. But in 2 Chronicles, we see that they got their act together and actually took care of that. And uh, and then, uh, but before we go uh, on, and we're just going to get through the chapter tonight, that's as far as we'll go. Flip over there if you're still there to 2 Chronicles twenty four thirteen, We see kind of what happened towards the end of the repairs on the temple. And man, doesn't it take... A business minded, you know, godly leader to build a church. You know, we've heard horror stories of buildings. You know, uh, I was listening to a guy today that said that the average nowadays for a pastor to still be the pastor after a building, uh, had, the church has built a building is one year. You know, that the, the enemy just loves to attack and divide. And, uh, but man, when you see it done right, there's just such good examples. We went through a building um, process in Corvallis where just the Lord opened up the door for 56 acres to be purchased by our church. And just he miraculously provided the funds and, and uh, the building was built and the people labored together. And just, there was so much prayer over that project that the the enemy just didn't even have a a little tiny foothold. You know, there really wasn't anything that uh, even, you know, the color of the children's ministry ward or this or that, you know, it's like the Holy spirit just built the church there in Corvallis. And so we see it, it went well here as well with Joash. Uh, chapter 24 of Second Chronicles, verse 13, we see the workmen labored and the work was completed by them. They restored the house of God to its original condition and reinforced it. So it's looking pretty good. When they'd finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada. They made it from articles, uh, For the house of the Lord, articles for serving and offering, spoons and vessels of gold and silver, and they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of uh, Jehoiada. So they did make those little articles. And here we get into where he didn't, you know, he began to not follow the Lord. But Jehoiada grew old and was full of days, and he died. Uh, That's the priest. He was 130 years old when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he'd done good in Israel, both toward God and his house. Now after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came and bowed down to the king. And the king listened to them. Uh, Therefore they left the house of the Lord, God of their fathers, and served wooden images and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. And man, if there is just not a lesson throughout Scripture, and we've studied it so much in the Olivet Discourse, it's that, man, we have got to test all things according to the Word. Because many are going to come in His name saying that they're the Christ, or they're going to have other Gospels. You know, in Galatians, Paul talks about men coming that seem like like, like, such a great religious system, but it's another Gospel. And he says to the Galatians, "If, if I, Paul, or even an angel from heaven come teaching you anything but what i've told you before let us be accursed we have to test everything according to the word and man i've just been spurred on lately when i was in high school i used to pack my bible with me everywhere i went everywhere when i had my bible and you know even now it's like oh you know the bible's in my heart now you know or whatever and i'm just lately i've just been like man i've been needing my sword i'll be out in public and you know, I'll have the opportunity to share a scripture. I don't have it on me. And I just, man, I want to be someone that I packed the sword with me so that I can, can fight against the false doctrines out there. You know, even today we had the Jehovah's Witnesses knock on our door. And, you know, man, there's a battle going on out there. We've got to be armed with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And if Jehoash would have been armed, you know, with that book that he had written when he was seven years old, he may have been in a better place, but these leaders of Judah came. You know, I don't care if it's a leader from Judah or a pastor from another church or whoever, you know, coming with these great ideas. And, uh, and Joash listened to them and he went and he worshiped these things. Back in 2000, I remember when my pastor Robin Corvallis was invited, invited by the, the, uh, faith community in corvallis to get together for easter 2000 and they were going to get together in research stadium where the beavers played they were going to have this big easter service and and the more that rob thought about it he's like no you know there the unitarians were there and and uh you know the lutheran uh, i think i think it was the lutherans in corvallis that had a, a lesbian as a pastor all coming together to worship during easter and rob just said no you know our church isn't going to be there. It's not going to be a part of this. And, you know, we were blacklisted for quite a while from the churches there. And, you know, even in Prineville uh, right now, there's kind of an ecumenical movement starting up in the name of humanity and doing things, shelters for people. And I I went to one of these meetings just to kind of discernment, see what was going on. And I sat next to the Mormon church representative, you know, and they were wanting the Oasis soup kitchen to come and be involved and to come and be replaced at this shelter where all of the, you know, uh, the faiths in Prineville were setting up this, hosp- you know, this hospitality ministry, this shelter ministry, and I, I just come to the point where I'm like, no, you know, we're, we're not going to compromise, you know, because the gospel is what's the most important, and who cares if these people get an extra night sleep if they're sent to hell by being taught another doctrine on their warm bed. You know, and so not that we don't still do the, you know, the, you know, let's, let's feed these people. Let's give our, you know, let's help these people. But, you know, we can do it with the right doctrine. And so, um, and so this seemed like such a good idea for Joe Ash. To, Why don't we all get together and go up on the mountain where you have a great view? And, you know, those high places are still up there, but that's okay. And, and he went and it ended up being his downfall. And so if you read there in verse uh, 18 again, you know, therefore they left the house that they just spent all that money repairing. And and they served these wooden images and idols and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. Verse 19, yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not listen. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah. This is not Zechariah of the, the book that we have. This is Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest. This is Je, uh, jo, Joash's father, You know, his father in the faith. Um, and Zechariah stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord? So that you cannot prosper. Because you've forsaken the Lord. He also has forsaken you. So they conspired against him. At the command of the king. This is Joash. And they stoned him with stones. In the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash the king. Did not remember the kindness. Which Jehoiada his father had done to him. But killed his son. And as he died. Zechariah said. The Lord look on it. And repay. So you guys catching what's happening here? The priest, Joash's spiritual father and really good friend who saved his life and hid him in the temple and made him the king and set him up as king. You know, His son, Zechariah, stands up and says, why are you worshiping these idols? You know, turn away. And he speaks the truth. And Joash, just so hard-hearted by the idolatry at this point, conspires and kills you know not only his best friend's son but this guy was probably his best friend as well probably like family to him and uh and, and Zechariah you know just looks at him and says the Lord look on it and repay and by the end of this chapter we'll see that the Lord looks on it and he repaid uh back in uh 2nd Kings we'll just finish the chapter verse 17 of chapter 12 Hazael King of Syria went up and fought against Gath and took it. Then Hazael set his face to go up to Jerusalem. You guys remember Hazael? He was the king of Syria. And remember, Elijah the prophet was to anoint him as king over Syria. And a couple of weeks ago, we studied that Elisha actually ended up anointing him. And, and remember, while he was anointing him, he started crying. And why did he start crying as he looked at Hazael? He said, He said, Because I know that you're going to go and you're going to kill Judah's women and children and Israel's women and children. And you're going to, you know, you're going to destroy this nation who the Lord loves. And Hazael says, what am I, a dog that I would do those things? Forget it, you know. And he goes home and he kills his master and becomes king over Syria. And so here we see, you know, this this begins. um, And so we see Hazael went down the east of Israel, went down and attacked the southern end of Judah And started coming up to attack Jerusalem. And so Jehoash, the king of Judah, took all the sacred things that his fathers, Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and Ahaziah, kings of Judah, had dedicated, and his own sacred things, and all the gold found in the treasuries of the house of the Lord and in the king's house. And he sent them to Hazael, king of Syria. Then he went away from Jerusalem. So he sees that they're about to be attacked by Hazael, And so he gives up all the things in the temple. He gives away all the things that are the Lord's, not his to give away, they're the Lord's. He gives away all the things that they'd worked so hard to raise the money for, and he gives it away that Hazael would leave them alone, and Hazael left them alone. But he didn't need to do that. We know that the Lord would fight Joash's battles if Joash would put his trust in the Lord. And so, you know, as so so often is a sign of apostasy and falling away from the Lord. Joash robs God to solve his problems. And that's what we do when we walk away from God. Um, we, we rob him. And so, you know, there's a lesson there that, uh, you know, does it even matter, does it matter what the outward appearance of the temple is if the inner faith of the temple, you know, is what's really crumbling? And that's what was was kind of happening, was it was crumbling, and Joash was looking on the outward appearance of the temple. And the application there is that we are a temple. Each one of us, our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's been said that my body is a temple with ample parking in the back. You know, <clears throat> never mind. I don't know about your parking situation, but uh, you are... Uh, each a temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 tells us you know, that we need to honor the Lord with our body because our body is a temple uh, and glorify God in our bodies and our spirits, which are God's. And then 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us that we're each living stones in the temple of the Lord. You know, and if one of us isn't doing our part or operating in our gifts, or we forsake the assembling together of that temple, then it's like looking at a building that's missing bricks, you know, and missing stones. If we're not all doing our part, but when we are all, are all doing our part, man, that temple is firm and it's strong and it's accomplishing its purpose and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's protective. And so, you know, so what if a church or a person repairs that Outer appearance and looks you know like those virgins did all perfect and religious on the outside when inside the faith is crumbling and we see what happens in revelation when that happens revelation chapter 2 and 3 Jesus writes the letters of the seven churches and five of those letters he tells those churches that, that there's a problem going on there in Ephesus it's that they, that they'd left their first love and Jesus tells them uh to remember from where they'd fallen and then if they don't come back to that love relationship with Jesus uh that he's going to remove their lampstand from their place and each church the church is given a, a a similar chastisement you know the carnal church who who had been joined to a harlot in in Thyatira he says repent or i'll cast you into a sickbed you know, uh an idolatry that had been going on there in Thyatira. Um, Sardis, you know, that had um, become a dead church. You know, just each church, you know, Laodicea, the lukewarm church. You know, they, they had a crumbling faith. Although they had a church, they had the building, they had the religious appearance. None of that mattered. And Jesus said, if you don't come back to holiness and purity and... You know, first love relationship with me. You know, and and so much more. I'm going to remove your lampstand. But if you do come back, if you act like the church in Philadelphia, you know, who's walking in, in right relationship with me, I'll give you a reward. And each church is promised a reward if they'll, you know, fix that faith that had been dilapidated. And then, Verse 19, now the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And his servants arose and formed a conspiracy and killed Joash in the house of the Milo, which goes down to Silla. So no doubt people, some people were kind of disgusted uh, with, with what he'd done to Zechariah. And so they ended up killing him. And how sad to see this guy not finish strong. How sad to see... A seven-year-old. Just picture the seven-year-olds back here on fire for Jesus and being trained up and discipled and yet never making that decision that, hey, you know, one day my discipler, he's going to be gone and and I'm going to need to disciple others and I'm going to need to walk my walk myself. Uh, And just to see him not do that is so sad. Uh, For Jehozakar, the son of Shemaeth, and Jehozabad, the son of Shomer, his servants struck him. So he died and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. Then Amaziah his son reigned in his place, and so next week we'll study a little about Amaziah, and we'll study a little about uh, Jehoahaz. So, Stuart, you want to come on up? And and you guys were a tough crowd tonight. What's up with that? Got bumper stickers. I've got, uh, you know, floating his stock while he's the world is liquidating. You know, got. We're temples with ample parking, and uh, okay, it's okay. You know, it's not what matters. <laughs> hey, let's stand and we'll worship the Lord. And man, let's just—I just keep going back to that thought of you know people, wor- you know, not worshiping Joash, but so excited to have a good king. You know, they've had six years of of harsh rule from this Athaliah. You know, and how long of harsh rule have we had with Satan? Here, you know, and man, I can't wait for Jesus to come to come in glory and in power and to set His feet on the Mount of Olives and to conquer His enemy. Man, can't wait, can't wait for it to all be completed. Uh, so let's just, man, let's give Him the praise that you know who is worthy to open the scroll to take the scroll, but the one who uh, appears as a lamb slain from the foundations of the world. Lord, we worship you, God. Take our hearts to that place tonight, God. Those that are a little sluggish tonight. Those that are a little just having a hard time. Ah, so many hard names. And this is not, ah. Lord, take us to your throne room, God. Lord, just as we worship, establish just the purpose in our hearts. May we purpose in our hearts to finish strong, Lord. Help us to walk in your spirit, Lord. Day by day, that we might not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, that we could have victory, God.